Hey everyone, welcome to episode 29 of the Running Anthropologist podcast, a special holiday gift today. We were able to line up a book with the guy who wrote the book on healthy feet and ankles for runners, Dr. Brian Fulham. So excited to have him on the podcast. He's such a great guy, local coach. He was a, he's been a runner for a long time since his college career, and he has a lot of experience in the field of podiatry and just in general knowing about healing. Um, he's a great teacher, and I think you'll love this episode with him just telling us all about his tips, his favorite treatment methods, and ways to stay healthy. So let's get started. And once again, happy holidays. And welcome to The Running Anthropologist. We're super grateful that you agreed to do this, uh, Dr. Fulham. Uh, Dr. Brian Fulham has been practicing uh, a long time with uh, elite sports podiatry, and he is right here in the Tampa Bay area. And he's also the author of the book on healthy feet and ankles, The Runner's Guide to Healthy Feet and Ankles. So has a lot of wisdom to share. Thanks so much for being with us, and welcome. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I guess the the question that I ask most often to get started is um, about your own running origins and how that led you, um, in this case, down the path of, of healing others. Yeah, I I, uh, I started running races, I think I was nine years old when I ran my first road race. My um, two older brothers were both good athletes. My brother, Kevin, was an excellent runner in high school. He was um, made the state championships in cross country his senior year and um, so I kind of followed in both my brother's footsteps. And I was lucky when I was growing up that locally in Utica, New York, there were two great coaches, um, Sam Panisha, who coached at Proctor High School, and Ralph Lupia, who coached at Utica Free Academy. They did a summer series that was free for track. And so I used to go to that, and they taught us how to do a down start out of the blocks and how to long jump. But they were primarily um, great distance coaches. So that definitely influenced me, and, and uh, Utica was a great place to grow up for running. It's the home of the Distance Running Hall of, Hall of Fame, oh, really? and they have a great huh. race called the Utica Boilermaker. That's uh, yeah. a 15K that started in 1978. So I was 13 and ran the first one, and huh. um, they had a lot of great um, – great, um, it was great for the running community in, in the Utica area, and a lot of people that were good runners then – that helped out the younger people and encouraged us and um, really a great community. And uh, so I, I had decided in high school, I thought I wanted to do sports medicine. And, and uh, I went to Bucknell University and ran at Bucknell University and uh, was a chemistry major. And, and when I was a senior in, uh, when I was a freshman in college, um, I hurt my foot running in an indoor track race. And in retrospect, I know I tore my plantar fascia. Uh, but I ended up going to a good podiatrist and that influenced me and he ran for Bucknell 10 years before I did. And so before my senior in, in college, I spent a week with him to see if that's really what I wanted to do. And it, it definitely had a great impact on me and, uh, and I ended up going to podiatry school and getting into, um, treating athletes because of that. So it's, it's, a, it was a great avenue for me to do sports medicine. That's great. Well, I, I know from personal experience, I'll, um, you know, full disclosure, I'm also a patient of Dr. Fulham and uh, 
treated for Achilles tendonitis. My wife has had surgery for neuroma with him and um, just a wonderful, um, wonderful person-to-person patient uh, treatment. So I'm, I'm definitely grateful that you're here in Tampa Bay. Um, and I know that you did, uh, besides sport medicine, you did a lot of, uh, a lot of work with, uh, with people um, that had suffered uh, running injuries especially. And there were some people that were really influential uh, to you, including um, Dr. George Sheehan, who wrote about the, the spiritual and mental aspects of running. Um, you know, maybe you could uh, mention a little bit about what, what you learned and why he was such a great influence for you. Yeah, Dr. Sheehan was a cardiologist and he was a champion of podiatry in the early 70s. And he would write that in his articles. If you're injured, if you have a running injury, go to see the podiatrist. And he actually helped start the American Academy of Podiatric Sports Medicine. He was one of the founding members of it, um, even though he was an MD. And uh, Dr. Sheehan used to write um, kind of philosophical stuff in Runner's World. And he wrote books that were about um, the spiritual side of running. And you know, my family used to buy me running books all the time, you know, as Christmas presents. And even in high school, I, I, I probably had five or six books of Dr. Sheehan. And I, I just, that's the way I feel about running is, and I think most runners can identify with it, that, that I identify as a runner. You know, so if anyone was going to ask me what I am, I'd say runner before podiatrist and before <laughs> dad and before anything else, husband. And, and I think most runners can understand that, that it's not, for me, I don't care how fast I run anymore. It used to be very important to me, but but now I just really want to go out and run, and and I love the run itself, not necessarily the the results of of the hard training, which is great. I think that that's one of the wonderful things about running is it mirrors life. Hmm. What you the work you put into it a lot of times ends up being what you get out of it. I I like that analogy where you say you're a runner first. It, in other words, kind of your your mental health and your place you sure. go to be, um, you know, to think and things like that, they help make the rest of life better and more doable. Without a doubt. I just saw there was a quote from, uh, he's a runner who missed the Olympic trials by, um, by two seconds, I think, or by a minute, less than a minute. He, it was, he, uh, and he said, people, he's, in, he's in his 30s now and he's still trying to make the Olympic trials. And, you know, people say to him, why, you know, why are you still a runner? And he said, well, the second worst thing I can think of is, is, uh, is besides being a runner, the worst thing I can think of besides being a runner is not being a runner. Huh. That's great. I, there was another, another one of my favorite quotes, which you shared to me um, with me when we were uh, writing back and forth about the interview, is the one, everyone is an athlete. Uh, the only difference is that some of us are in training and some are not. Yeah, that's Dr. Sheehan. So I, I, you know, I always use that quote a lot in my in my lectures, and and people will sometimes say to me, "Well, you treat a lot of athletes. I don't treat athletes." And I, and I, I like to tell people I treat everybody. That's my motto from my practice. I treat everybody like an athlete. So you know, I don't think I think the only difference between treating someone who's an athlete and not treating someone as an athlete is. My goal is always to get people back to doing all the things they want to do. And, and if it's if you're a runner and you have a race, I'm not going to – the first thing I'm going to say, I'm not going to say the, don't run mm-hmm. unless there's a specific reason. If I can give you a reason why not to run. But sometimes people have, uh, you know, an injury and, and a doctor will just say, well, the solution is don't run. Mm-hmm. And and when I was in Connecticut, I, I treated some of the Yale athletes. And, and I had a, a – a, he was captain of the Yale cross-country team. And – he was in a boot his whole senior season. And when he came to see me for a second opinion, he, he had a neuroma. 
and I gave him a cortisone shot and he was completely pain free, but he was treated by the sports medicine doctor, quote unquote, who, whose solution was just to put him in a boot for six weeks. Didn't investigate it enough to say, okay, this is something that maybe a cortisone shot or padding or something like that might help. So, you know, that's kind of where I try to approach it for my patients is I don't want to be that guy that says you you shouldn't run or you can't run or running is bad for you because I don't believe it is. In fact, in terms of arthritis, sometimes people say that to me, oh, well, running is going to cause arthritis. Runners have a lower incidence of osteoarthritis than non-runners. Yeah, that's that's amazing, and they've they've just started realizing some of the healing properties of regular running for especially for older people. Without a doubt, and and, and I think running and exercise are medicine. You know, and Mark Cucazella is a primary care doctor that's in West Virginia, and, and Mark wrote a a book recently uh, called Run for Your Life, and and Mark, as a primary care doctor, treats his patients with with exercise and medicine. He actually has runs from his office and walks from his office to get people to exercise and eat healthy. Neat. And and I think that's that's such a great approach and I wish more people would would realize how important exercise is to life. There was a study that that they've been following the same people in Scandinavia for probably 30 or 40 years. It's kind of like the Hopkinton study where they they follow people and they try to figure out trends. And the latest uh, thing, every five years or so, they'll publish. The last thing they published was that the people in that, in that group who exercise 30 minutes a day, just 30 minutes of walking six days a week, are living five years longer than those who aren't. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Longitudinal study. You don't get those very often. No, it's, it's you know, and, and I think that's, you know, that's the, the take-home point to me is just do some movement. It's going to be good for you. Movement is medicine. I like. I like that one. Um, so, by the way, so you've mentioned a lot of your favorite authors and influences, but I, I should mention that um, Dr. Fulham's uh, Runner's Guide to Healthy Feet and Ankles is really a like a how-to book. It's super practical. Um, I I enjoyed reading it, and I should have read it a long time ago because it would have saved me a lot of a lot of time. But I've only read it recently after um, marrying my my wonderful wife, who. <coughs> <clears throat> who was involved with your practice. And I know you've done a lot of articles for uh, for Running Time magazine um, and also uh, for other, you know, for your field. And part of that has been exploring uh, the need for people to recognize shoes and uh, some of the detriment they might do, um, you know, different types of shoes that people have been wearing. Could Would you care to share kind of how that influences running and what you know, what we've learned about that recently? Sure. I, yeah, things have changed so much. So I've been in practice since 1991. Um, the model back then was to make sure the shoe was really stiff and rigid. And, and we were taught in school to, to check it. And if you can bend it easily, it's not a good shoe. And the, the rear foot component um, uh, was important for that to be rigid. And you needed to have, if you were a, a person who pronated, you need to be in a motion control shoe. Dr. Ben O'Nig is a biomechanist from uh, from Canada, from Calgary, and and he's published a lot of the most important running shoe research over the years. And one of the things that Dr. Nig um, uh, was a pioneer of was that dual density midsole material. So the material in the midsole of a running shoe on the inside of the shoe was a little firmer than the material on the outside, and it was usually a different color. And the idea was that you land on the softer side on your heel. And then as your foot rolls in, the firmer material, the dual density midsole will prevent pronation or it'll okay. slow down pronation. Dr. Nig figured out when he looked back at all his research that 
that doesn't really happen. And so his, his conclusion of his 40 years of research paper said that the foot's going to move the way the foot wants to move. So no shoe is going to prevent the foot from pronating. He also uh, stated that he doesn't think pronation is a problem necessarily. Okay, not all pronation is a problem. And he thinks his philosophy is that there's no such thing as overpronation, that the body will pronate as much as it needs to. So that kind of goes counter to what we were taught in school 30 years ago and what a lot of sports medicine professionals used to think. Um, but what doc, the other finding that Dr. Nig found was he calls it the comfort paradigm. And what he stated was uh, that people that find their shoes more comfortable have fewer injuries. Hmm. So he thinks that's the number one uh, thing that runners should look for when picking a new shoe is trying them on and, and making sure that they find them comfortable. Hmm. So maybe striding them, striding in them in the store and yeah, feeling you, how that when feels. When you go to, go to a store like uh, St. Pete Running Company, they put the shoes on you. They tell you to go outside and run around a little bit if you want to try it or you go on the treadmill and try it right there in the store. I think that's the most important thing. Some stores will watch you walk or watch you run and say, okay, you're a pronator. You need to be in a motion control shoe and you need a, a, you know, a power step or a super feed insert in there. I think if you're spending $150 on a pair of shoes, the first thing you shouldn't be thinking of is I got to put an insert in there as well. You know, so I think, you know, that's where people should zero in is, you know, it's good to listen to the people at the store sometimes, but, um, but comfort has got to be number one. And how, and certainly how it fits on, you know, if you have a narrow foot or something like that. Without a doubt. So, you know, that's one thing that I think is great about this day and age is we have so many more options. So, you know, they used to divide the running shoe category into three. Um, neutral stability and motion control. Now there's probably five or six. You have maximalist like a Hoka. You have minimalist like a like a Lem or or uh, some of the Ultras. You have some shoes like Ultra that are that are Ultra has a wider toe box. So, for instance, when people have neuromas now, a lot of times I recommend they try Ultras because the width is going to have less compression, which sometimes is what aggravates the nerve. Interesting. And as far as one of the things that we read about sometimes in running magazines is, you know, are you a forefoot or a midfoot or a heel striker? Should should that influence your um, your shoe selection or even your um, your health as a runner? I I would say the most important thing for runners to understand is is if you're not injured, you're not having chronic type injuries, then don't change your form. And and um, there hasn't been any proof that people that forefoot strike run faster than people that rearfoot strike or people that land midfoot. And, and there's also not a lot of proof in the literature that changing your foot strike is going to help improve injury except for shin splint pain. So that the medical term for shin splints is medial tibial stress syndrome. So changing from a heel strike pattern to a more midfoot type pattern has been shown that that can sometimes help people that have shin pain. Hmm. Um, but one thing I always discourage people from doing is if you go from landing heel to landing forefoot you have to you can't just go out and try to start running that way because you're going to end up getting injured because you're, you're redistributing the pressure and moving it to a different spot hmm. so i think if anything if you're not having an injury problem don't worry about how you how your foot strikes there's a a um uh he's actually a phd in in biology i think his name's pete larson and Pete um, was doing a lot of running shoe reviews, minimalist type shoes, and then he got heavily involved in, in looking at foot strike patterns. Hmm. And one year at the Boston Marathon, I think it was 2013, he filmed the top 100 
runners, their foot strike pattern at two or three different places during the Boston Marathon. And what he found was like among the top runners, it's split almost evenly between heel, midfoot, and forefoot. So there's some of the fastest runners in the world are heel strikers. Interesting. So that's not as big a deal. I I would have thought the opposite that, you know, they always tell you, get up on your toes, run faster. And (laughs) and I I think part of it is how, what feels natural to you. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you do want to change how you're landing, I think you need to, to, to do it smartly. Maybe, maybe do it with some drills, work on some drills um, and, and have that be a repetitive thing because you need to almost make it a habit. You can't change your form by just saying, oh, I'm going to change my form. Right. You know, so it's a difficult thing to undertake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say for most people, don't worry about it. Okay. That's yeah. great. Great yeah. advice. Good, a good start, at least for people who are, who are worried about that. Um, it, it, so I've been very blessed to have been able to be a part of your practice. And I, I should just mention that, uh, you know, it's very practical and it's, you know, very, from the minute you come in, you assess and say, okay, these are the exercises that you need to strengthen and get better. Very much a patient heal thyself, you know, kind of philosophy, which, which I love. And I think a, a lot of runners uh, will find, you know, oh, I can do something towards my own healing. Um, which is which is really inspiring. Um, is there anything that you would recommend just in general uh, for foot and ankle care to runners who may not be injured yet? W- what kind of um, strength do they need or what are the, the core issues that cause problems? Yeah, I think two things that I would ask people to work on if they're not injured. One is, is your balance and in, in the medical term is proprioception. A lot of times if people don't work on it, it, get, it, it gets worse. So what I would say is if you're someone who wants to do a couple of things to help prevent injury, one thing that's real simple is, is start balancing on one foot when you brush your teeth. <laughs> so balancing on one foot and then closing your eyes really challenges, and that'll improve your proprioception and your balance. And, and in theory, that should, can help lower your, your incidence of injury. Hmm. The second thing that I, that I think people could work on is, is, is trying to get your, your gluteal muscles engaged. So a lot of times in, in our society, we sit a lot and we're hunched over in front of a computer and sitting in that position turns our glutes off. And, and they're so vital and so important. And in the last 15 years, you know, it's kind of, that's kind of the direction where a lot of therapy has gone is let's work on the glutes and then everything down below is going to follow. Um, so just doing some simple TheraBand stuff. One exercise that I like a lot is you put the TheraBand around your ankles and you stand up and you get into a little bit of a, of a crouch position and you just walk sideways back and forth across the room. And, and that's a, an excellent um, exercise that helps engage the glutes. So if you balance on one foot and try to engage those glutes a little bit, those are two things that will work really well to, to help prevent injury. Great. So balance and glute. And uh, so I did, I should mention also from your book that there's a lot of very simple, I think all of the activities pretty much you can do with a, with a band and a ball, uh, an exercise ball. And some of them, a lot of them revolve around glute strengthening, but then there are also some around core strengthening. Correct. Um, what, what kind of a role does the core play in, in helping, uh, helping runners to stay healthy? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the core is basically everything around your, your whole midsection. Um, when I talk about core, I'm usually talking about glutes. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, the, the, and really the glute medius and the glute minimus. So we have three gluteal muscles. The glute maximus is that big one that everybody can see. The glute minimus and the glute medius are smaller muscles, but they're really pelvic stabilizers. And if they're not firing right, 
then you're going to get different injuries. And one injury that, that really highlighted how important they were is IT band syndrome. Hmm. And there, there's a, a medical doctor at Stanford University, he's a Stanford sports med guy, his name is Michael Fredrickson. And around 1995, he published an article on, it was on Stanford athletes, Stanford runners that had IT band syndrome. And what, what Michael had them do was strengthen their gluteal muscles. Hmm. So glute mean and glute men. And in his study, every single one of his uh, Stanford athletes got better just doing those exercises. Wow. And, and it was a great study because he had some that were healthy and some that weren't healthy. And the ones that were healthy, they had stronger gluteal med and gluteal men muscles. Huh. So, so that was real eye-opening, and we've kind of been able to apply that across the spectrum, I think. So um, Dr. Fredrickson deserves a lot of credit for, for the sports medicine community for looking into that and, and how important the glutes are. Uh, that's really neat. I, I'm, and I am in the process of doing those exercises myself, and I know that it's um, it's helped a lot of runners, um, particularly that you know that whole body approach. Not just thinking, oh, I need to ice my tendon or my, um, you know, my fasciitis, um, and then that will help me get you know, get better. Um, I in our conversations before, you've mentioned that a few of the biggest things you see people for are Achilles or plantar fasciitis. Um, could you uh, walk us through what you um, normally do to help a runner like that heal? Sure. I mean, heel pain is something that is a little bit of an epidemic in our country, not even just among runners. But I think it was 2014, they had statistics that said there were 3 million doctor visits in the United States alone for people with heel pain. Huh. So I think, you know, People are a little more active, which is a good thing. You know, people are trying to get their steps, and 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 there are more people running now. I think the charities have been great for helping to increase the amount of runners that there are. Um, but with that increased activity and just the, the way the nature of our society in, in the U.S., it's a shod society. We stand on hard floors a lot. Those are the things that I think help contribute to heel pain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in my non-running um, population. Um, I, I see the same incidence of it, I think. So it's not even just a running thing. It's, it's a societal thing with heel pain. And, and one of the biggest um, you know, things that, that helps contribute to it, I think, is, is, uh, is the standing that we do. Hmm. You know, so people that stand a lot for their job are going to have more problems with their heel pain, too. Um, you know, so it, it's a difficult problem to treat um, because you're on it. So that, that's, yeah. that's one of our issues is it's hard to get people to not be on it, um, especially if that's part of their job. Um, but, you know, with heel pain, I usually like people to do a couple simple things to start. So stretching, um, calf stretching. Um, I, I like people to do a stretch where they'll, they'll pull their toes back and then with their other hand massage through the arch. Um, that can help too for, for heel pain. Um, and then a frozen water bottle. So I think ice is a good anti-inflammatory. I tell people take a round, smooth plastic water bottle, put it in the freezer, roll your foot over it. So before um, I'll, I'll think about doing anything else like a cortisone shot or shockwave therapy or anything like that, I like people to take, take a, 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 you know, a couple of weeks of just being consistent with doing stretching, doing some strengthening, and, and taping and supporting the arch. So those are the things for, for heel pain that I, that I like people to do. With the Achilles, I think that can go back to um, the glutes not being engaged. That'll definitely contribute to it. And then a lot of times with Achilles, it's an overuse injury. Hmm. So I, I think one thing is, is maybe I see a, um, people jumping into the marathon more now without a buildup. Huh. So when I was younger, you know, in the 70s, 
the conventional wisdom was, well, first you do a 5K, then you do a 10K, then you do a half marathon, then you move to the marathon when you get into your like late 20s, early 30s. Huh. You know, you don't start doing marathons as the first thing. But now I think it's more common for people to do a 5K and then say, oh, I'm doing a marathon, <laughs> and, and I, which I think is great. And, and places like Disney make it, you know, that people want to go to Disney, the people that love, you know, the mouse and, and like to be there. And they have these great events. So, so I think there are people who are jumping into the marathon that probably could use a, a few more years of buildup with their mileage before they jump into it. And, and most running injuries are overuse hmm. and, and especially the Achilles. And, and the one thing I would tell people is, is if you see swelling, then you got to go see somebody. Okay. So that's number one with the Achilles. Once it's swollen or you see that swelling and once you have Achilles tendonitis past two weeks, there's actually a degenerative process that starts in the tendon that makes it more difficult for it to get better. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I think those two injuries especially are, are partly from our society and partly from overuse and partly from, um, you know, maybe being a little bit too exuberant with your, with your training sometimes. Right. And it, it's great that people are jumping into marathons, but that slow build is, or you could call it overuse, that slow build is, is much better than overuse or jumping into something. Definitely. Definitely. Um, for, for individuals that, um, maybe have, you know, looked at, uh, having a hands-on approach, you know, they, I know you have years of medical experience with various, uh, conditions. Um, I always like to mention, uh, physical therapy as, um, you know, being an option. What, um, what kind of physical therapy do you recommend and when, when do you normally send someone to do physical therapy? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I have a couple of very good physical therapists in the area that I trust and, and that's usually who I try to refer to when I send people for therapy. I mean, one thing too is cost. And, and it, you know, it used to be that maybe you had a $5 copay or a $10 copay. Now people have $50 copays. So, you know, the old prescription of therapy would be, I would write two or three times a week for five weeks. Well, now that's 15 visits. If you're paying 50 bucks each time, it gets a little expensive. So that's one reason why I try to give my runners exercises to do. And I think part of it is with runners, I know they're going to do the exercises. So I'm not worried about them doing it. That's part of why I might send someone for physical therapy. Hmm. So that they'll be a little more supervised. Maybe if someone's not as as motivated as as most of my runners are, then that that therapy is going to help. But I'm also in the unique position where my wife is a physical therapist, and I've learned a lot from her. And in my book, a lot of the exercises I learned from her. Um, I think some of them she she you know made up herself, um, and and I think um, that's helped me have. Uh, a view of physical therapy that maybe not everybody has because I, I get to, to learn from her and, and see how she treats people. And, and sometimes she, she'll come into my office and treat patients too. Yeah, I, it felt very much, so my visits with you have felt very much like, A, you, you know so much about the research, and B, um, it feels like an addition, a physical therapy visit. So I, I just wanted to mention that because I think it's so important to combine the two and you get to see the patient um, doing both. Um, so as, as we kind of finish up the interview, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit of a personal question about your running goals for 2020. I know that you're headed to Atlanta along with me to watch some uh, Olympic hopefuls. Um, and any other big, uh, big things planned for 2020? Um, no, for me now, I have a bad knee. So my left knee, I've had three surgeries on. There's arthritis in it. Um, Shockwave actually helps me a lot to, to keep me running with it. 
Um, but I don't have any time goals. A lot of times I used to think my goal was I just want to try to run every day. I can't do that anymore because of my knee. But yeah, I'm just happy if I can run three or four times a week. And, and uh, you know, I, I have more goals for the athletes I coach. I coach at Dean High School track and cross country. So that's where I get my, uh, I live vicariously through the kids now. So, um, but yeah, for me, I just want to try to be able to run as much as I, as I want to run. And yeah, I'm, I'm real excited for an Olympic year. So um, I'm going to uh, go up to Atlanta to watch the marathon trials and our family vacation is going to be at the U S Olympic trials for track and field at <laughs> university of Oregon in June. So what, what a great, what a great vacation oh, and yeah. running three, four times a week that I, I would like to do that too. Sure. That sounds like a great goal to me. That's, that's awesome. Um, I think I'll make that my goal for 2020 is to try to get in a run every other day and not, uh, not press too hard so that I, I get injured that slow build. Um, and I, I certainly appreciate, along with all of us here that, um, that, that you treat, I certainly appreciate your time and uh, your advice to, to all the runners listening to the podcast, too. Oh, it's my, it's my pleasure. It's really a, a passion for me. And, and, you know, I don't ever wake up and think I don't want to go to work. I love going to work. I love sitting and talking about running with my patients. And, um, you know, even if they're not a runner, I, 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 enjoy, uh, I enjoy it. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm lucky. That's what they say, right? If you if you don't feel like you're working, then then you're you're living a lucky life. That's right. Great. Well, thanks very much, Dr. Fulham. I know uh, we said we'd keep it around a half hour, and we're spot on. So um, again, happy holidays and happy running. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, same same to you. And and uh, you know, hopefully everybody uh, has a great year and stays injury free. And I, I see you at the races and not in my office. <laughs> thanks again. Take care. Doctor. And thanks to all of you for joining us today. It's an awesome episode, and we hope that you'll share it with others. Dr. Fulham's book would make a great stocking stuffer (laughs) or New Year's gift for any runner. So we'll post uh, on our website, on our Facebook page, and in the show notes, links to his practice and how you can get a hold of it. Um, At the end of 2019, just around the corner, just wanted to let you know that we have a great year of review episode. Um, Just recapping the big events in running culture the past year and having some of our more frequent guests come and share their views and what they think are great running goals for 2020. As for us, our running goal is to keep bringing you unique running stories and culture and of people doing extraordinary things. We hope to continue our famous race director series as well as starting a new series on trail running events, culture, and people this spring. So lots of great things in store. And as always, join us on social media. Share your ideas, anything you'd like to hear about in running culture. Till next time, happy running.